Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today I'm going to be discussing and doing kind of an updated review and look into Rainbow Six Siege. Now, I actually started a podcast on this and I deleted the episode because it was so late at night and I wasn't very coherent because I was so tired. Kind of sucks. Because <laughs> I still had good points and interesting things to say, just probably would have been a chore to listen to. So, here we are. Rainbow Six Siege, as you know, is one of my all-time favorite video games. Uh, it is a competitive multiplayer, first-person shooter, tactical action. Uh, you know, you get shot in the head, you're dead. Ain't nothing to it. It's round-based, so when you die, you come back after the round. But there's no respawns in the traditional mode. It's 5v5, attack versus defense. You switch positions, and each side has numerous special operators with different guns, attachments, and a special ability that makes them unique from the other operators, right? It's a very dynamic, very competitive shooter. And in the main modes, whether the casual playlist or the ranked playlist, the main modes are hostage, secure area, and bomb. Bomb being the most popular, it's where you have to defuse a bomb. Pretty simple. There's two different locations you can try to hit and defuse. The defense team tries to defend the d from the diffuser. Pretty simple. Hostage, obviously, you're trying to save a hostage. No one really plays that, but it is a casual rotation playlist. It's still there. It's been there since day one. And secure area is just being in the objective in the area. Also casual. So ranked is only allowed to use bomb, as is unranked. Unranked is a playlist mode where you have all the maps, all the same rules, guidelines, and modes that ranked has. The only thing is, you don't get ranked. So it's just a way to practice. It's great to warm up without actually damaging your rank. That used to not be there. So, a little background on my history with Rainbow Six Siege for those who may not know. As I've said, it's one of my favorite games. I used to Twitch stream it all the time. I got it within the first month of it coming out on Xbox and I've had it then. I've had it since then, played it for the first four to five years consistently, and by that I mean two to four days of the week for the first three years, almost every week. Of course, when new games came out or when I got distracted and busy with life, you know, but for the most part, I had spent, I've, I'm scared to admit, but I think I've spent probably over a thousand hours in the past seven years on this game. The game has been out for seven years. It has had continuous updates. And the updates look like this. There are four seasons to one year of an update for Rainbow Six Siege. So, and every update adds one to two new operators per season, as well as a bunch of bug fixes, UI, new gameplay changes, balances, sometimes modes, events, extra features, etc. And about every, between two or four months, there's a new season that drops. It's been more consistent. In the beginning, it could take much longer. But every in within a year, and it's not in it's not like from January to December or January to January. It's March to March is how a Rainbow Six year usually works. Mid March is when um, the new season kicks off. Mid to late March, and then like late February, early March is when the last season drops. Well, actually, like, 
January, February is when the last season drops. And then they have a month where it kind of winds down. They promo hype the next year with the pass and all the operators and the new features and then the roadmap and cycle starts again. When the game first came out, it was liked, but not many people played it. It was fundamentally, from a gameplay standpoint, phenomenal. From a core structure, people had a great time with it. But there were some balancing issues, of course, and there wasn't a lot of content in terms of map and operators. Still plenty. There was 10 attackers and 10 defenders, but it wasn't a lot. Now, as of today, <laughs> we have nearly 30 and 30. It's like 27 and 28 on one side because we're still in the middle of this year. So um, maybe 28 and 29. We're almost at 60 total operators. So it has grown exponentially. And with that, new maps, map reworks, gameplay additions, bugs, tweaks, fixes. Like if you played this game within the first month to the first year or two of this game being out to now, it's almost a completely different game. But the core fundamental gameplay loop still stands. It is a CQB tactical shooter. At the end of the day, you can play the objective, but as long as you eliminate the other five players, you win the round. And then there's multiple rounds to win the match, right? It is an extremely intense, but very, very fun and rewarding game because not only does it, you know, I guess you can unlock cosmetics and stuff, but this game, once you get into it, makes you really care about how well you do. And not just kill-death ratio. That's a Call of Duty mindset. Everyone's worried about kill-death ratio. It is a predominant factor. Like, if you have a solid KD in, in Rainbow Six Siege, that's great. I mean, that's and it's not easy to do. And it's not like you're getting 30 kills a game. That's almost impossible. Getting between 6 to 10 or more kills is pretty high. That's, like, really good. You know, I think on average people get between three to four kills a game. And then, if you're good, you only die two to three or three or four times. Uh, if you're more seasoned and you play longer and you're into it, five, six, seven kills is more common, three, four deaths. So, at least from my experience. I've been playing the game for seven years. I did fall off after about year five. Year, late year four, early year five. I just kind of took a hiatus between year five and year six. I jumped in when the new seasons dropped. I played for a bit. So I went from playing weekly to probably playing one once or twice a month. So I still played, but just not as consistently. And then I came back for year seven. Because unlike year five and year six, year seven really introduced a roadmap that was very promising to change the infrastructure of the game as a whole. But I really do love this game. I've been playing it for years, spent thousands of hours. I think the highest I've gotten in ranked is gold one, almost plat. And you might think, well, for all that playing and all that knowledge, I'm clearance level 150 now. For all of that, which is just a level. My level is 150, which is, takes a long time to get to, folks. Um... You might think, well, after all that, how is it in ranked? You're still just getting a solid. I mean, that's good, but that's not phenomenal. That's not great. That's not pro, no. Uh, because I solo queue the ranked, right? This is a team-based game. Well, it's not. You can play alone. It's perfectly fun and fine, but you you do you play much better when you have a team with your buddies. First of all, it's more fun, but also you can communicate clearly. 
It's not random people. Not everyone wants to communicate in a rainbow game, especially when it's randomized, you know, public matches and stuff. So um, if you have two, just one other friend with you, you will improve your, your stats tenfold. It's incredible. Just communicating slightly, even if you're not talking all the time. It's incredible. So having a full squad of friends, or three or four, majority of the team being your friends, makes a massive difference. And I have experienced that. I had that for about a month or two, but only in the past year. Uh, I did have a buddy who I played with uh, in the earlier years, from year one to year three, really. Uh, and it was just me and him. A lot of the nights, not every night, but a lot of the nights. So that helped my rank, and that was super fun, and I, and I gained a great friend from that. But, um, but yeah, so when people, like, have really high ranks, it's often they're retaining it by rolling with friends who play it. But because of there's no crossplay, because it's a game that's a little harder for just common core, common core, common people, uh, common gamers who, not common, casual, sorry, casual gamers who just like their, their CODs and their whatevers, um, it's a little daunting. Right? I'm not dissing anyone. I'm just saying it is understandable. It's a little daunting. It's a more challenging game. It's like, you know, it's like playing hardcore search and destroy in COD, but it's less frustrating than that because the gameplay is slower and more methodical. So, but I really love this game because it doesn't just promote Twitch reflexes. Though, if you have those, it is beneficial. I mean, if you land a headshot, you're going to win. I mean, at the end of the day, and that's what's great. You can, knowing the map is key. Having knowledge about the game, what each operator does, how they're used, how most people play them, how they could be used in an intricate way, the operator you're using, how that would be played, what guns have what benefits with what sites, all that knowledge, as well as the map, the locations, the choke points, the bottlenecks, the flanking routes, all of that is crucial. It makes you just inherently more sophisticated and well-off in the game. And for me, being a veteran of this series, for playing it for seven years, I do have that knowledge down pat. Even the map reworks, which did come in for two years, and they just, classic maps, they reworked because so many operators with their new gadgets and abilities changed the meta of the game, the entire flow and balance of everything, which is fine. So they had to make some map changes because the maps were kind of dated. Um, and include visual enha enhancements as well as literal routes, paths, and certain rooms, doors, things opening or closing down just to change the flow of things. And it, overall, it works great. So I did have to relearn some locations and still am kind of fumbling through stuff that I had as rote memory for three years consistently playing that kind of switched up on me. But... For the most part, all but like two or three maps, especially the newest one, I'm very well-versed in, even with the reworks, I'm pretty confident in. And that makes a huge difference. Even if I'm not always landing my shots, I can still be beneficial to the team. And that's what I like. Giving call-outs, giving pings, knowing where people are coming from, all of that. As well as just knowing the flow and the pace and the chemistry of everything, and landing a solid headshot is always always key at the end of the day because it's firefights and that's what matters winning the gunfight um and that's what i love about it you can approach it from different ways you can use different tools at your disposal you don't just see and shoot though that is the a very very crucial mechanic when you see an enemy you shoot them but you can be smart about it with the destructibility you can shoot through a wall if someone pings it right you can't do that in cod you can shoot through very thin surfaces and if someone's telling them that they're there, maybe, but no, COD and other games are great for what they do, right? Rainbow can't be a COD. Rainbow cannot be a fast-paced casual. They have a team deathmatch mode now. It's fun. 
for like 15 minutes of just kind of taking a break from the regular loop, but it is not built for that. It is inherently slower and more methodical for a reason. The prep phase is the biggest sign of that being an actual thing, right? In the beginning, whether no matter what side you're on, if you're attacking, you get your little drone and you get to scan the, the, the map. It's all indoors for the most part. There's some, yeah, it's all indoor, so it's close quarters combat. And, um, you know, you're scanning, you're looking for the objective, you're looking for the operators. When you scan the operators, it'll tell you in the top bar who they're running with. It won't, it'll be just a solid stationary ping to show where they roughly are, which could be helpful in the, in the thick of combat. But it gives you an idea of where the objective is, and it gives you an idea of what type of operator you're up against. There is a huge difference if your team does not find the objective or the operators. You are walking in completely blind. So it, I mean, it's so easy to find it nowadays, and it's just, but when you don't, you really notice how important it is to do that. And on the flip side, when you're defending, you're setting up reinforcement panels, which are stronger wall panels that prevent any kind of bullets from piercing through soft surfaces. Because there's destructibility in this game, which makes it such a dynamic game, there are, and it's very clear once you get in the game what, what can be destroyed, what surfaces are destroyable and what aren't. Metal, concrete, brick, rebar, all that stuff, no. Those aren't breaking. Wood, light wood, plastic, shit like that, that can break. Sometimes tiling and drywall, all that, and it's pretty clear. There's some indicators, and generally, once you get to the hang of it, you figure out the map, and you figure out what breaks, what doesn't. Um, windows, for the most part. Sometimes it's bulletproof glass, but you'll know soon enough. And that also adds dynamicism. You don't just have to walk in through the front door or repel in through the window, which you can repel, which is dope. You can open up new pathways as you see fit. And if someone's standing on the other side and you're shooting a cluster charge, which is Fuse's ability to shoot grenades in the room, or you're blowing it up with a breach charge, if someone's standing on the other side of the wall and is not paying attention, they're dead. And then, of course, if it's a soft surface wall that isn't reinforced, so the defense has 10 reinforcement panels that can I'm I'm sorry I'm giving a basic overview of gameplay and some of the mechanics and the intricacies just in my experience in this first segment just so people know what I'm talking about as I go further and for those who don't know obviously if you already know this stuff you can skip forward I guess I should have said that earlier but I I didn't think I'd need to anyway um so if you don't reinforce these soft panels, first of all, they're really easy to blow up. Anyone can break them, and anyone can shoot through them. They might not be able to see you at first, but they could punch a hole in it and then see. And shoot, and it, random stray bullets can fly and just dome you. So sometimes people act like reinforcement panels don't save you because there are attacking operators whose sole special ability is different ways of punching holes in reinforced walls right because they're metal so the thermite blows it up completely maverick has a little blowtorch that punches a pretty small hole in it but each operator is pretty well balanced and even with with their ability there is a counter or there is just knowledge that any defender can have knowing what's happening to combat what an attacker or what any ability is currently doing so so when you reinforce your panels, that, mean, that means not anyone can just have a stray bullet 
not any breaching charge or anyone who can break soft surfaces can just open it up all of a sudden. That means only like, I think there's only like eight operators that can now breach that and not everyone picks those. There are so many times now where attacking teams do not have a hard breacher, which is what that's called. People can cut through the reinforcement stuff. And if you have reinforced panels and it's a small room and it covers majority room, they're fucked. They're bottlenecked into two main entry points. That is a bitch to try to overcome. You know? So, that's the dynamicism, right? And then, of course, there are things to combat even hard breachers behind the reinforcement panels, like electrifying them or putting a mute jammer, which di which disables all electronic devices within a radius, etc., etc. My point is, there is an ebb and flow, there is a pro and con to every operator you pick, and there is a direct counter to that operator. But every operator is balanced enough where, at the end of the day, just shooting someone in the head will get you what you need. And then any kind of specialty or thing they can do, even if you don't have something that directly counters it, you could probably figure out some sort of way. Because the environment and the gameplay mechanics allow you to do so. And that's what I love about it. The dynamicism. It, it rewards thinking before shooting, but it doesn't punish if you just decide to go ham and shoot people anyway. It allows both styles of play equally, and they could both be effective for different reasons. So Rainbow Six Siege is an ever-evolving, growing, and changing game because every time a new operator is introduced, a new, their new ability changes up the way everyone has to play. Sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's drastic. I'll give some examples in the next segment. I'm going to get more into detail about that some more of my experience and then of course we're going to get into year seven and why that's promising and do some more overview of the game thank you all for sticking by and stay around for the next segment welcome back ladies and gentlemen hope you're all doing well so um i wanted to go over some a real brief thing that i've already mentioned before as well as operators well first let me do this operator segment i just want to talk about this um I was saying in the last segment, sometimes operators can change the meta. Now, of course, this game isn't perfect. There's sometimes balancing issues, especially at first, right? Sometimes people favor one thing over other. It's a work in progress, but it's constantly being updated, improved, and evolved. Hacking, toxicity, all that has had issues before, but Ubisoft Montreal, the devs of um, Rainbow Six Siege, have really gotten on top of it with their battle eye system that really, really kicks the shit out of hackers and, and spammers and harassers, just immediately removes them. It's very efficient. Um, they're, they have reverse friendly fire, because there is friendly fire, uh, which makes you have to watch your shots and count your bullets a little more carefully. Not in terms of ammo conver uh, conservation, just terms of not killing your teammates by accident. Um, and you don't want to get rid of that element, because otherwise people spray and pray, and it is not fun when everything is destructible and bullets can penetrate soft surfaces. So it's good that they have that. But the problem is people were killing teammates purposely in the beginning. So they have had multiple ways of reporting, banning, and of course kicking those players. But then on top of that, they introduced the system where if you kill two, even if it's by accident, if you kill two people by friendly fire, it will enact reverse friendly fire. Now, of course, sometimes you can say, was this an accident or was this intentional? Of course, sometimes people aren't truthful or don't understand that it was an accident anyway. So that's, that's a good system to have, but it's not always secure. So after two team kills, for the rest of the match, 
reverse friendly fire is activated. And if you shoot any of your teammates, they do not get hurt, and the damage you're shooting on them goes right back to you. Almost like it ricochets and doesn't hurt the metal. So that's a really, really, really ingenious way of reducing that. But even then, people found a way around that to be dicks and toxic, so they would just hurt you, shoot you, knock your health down, shoot your foot, whatever, down you, bring your half your health to half so it's not killing you so it doesn't activate reverse friendly fire now they've introduced a reputation system and this is a new thing that's in beta that's coming out in a couple weeks with the new season and it's in its preliminary stages and it'll be evolving but basically it tracks your reputation over the course of your entire rainbow six siege profile and career how many times have you been banned how many times have you been kicked how many times have you been reported now it does take into consideration the average amount of team kills that happen within a match and within a, within a season. So it's not going to like punish you for one team kill. In fact, I think the average is like four for every three matches or something like that. So um, it's not too high, but it's possible. So you do have some flexibility. That way, if you accidentally kill someone, it's not actually damaging your reputation. And then, of course, if you're toxic or you're hurting people, you're being reported, all that, it will punish you, and the punishments rack up. Now, the final punishment is a permanent ban on your account. That will take a lot. You will actively have to be a cancer to everybody around you. So it's not easy to pull that off, um, so they say. We'll see. Hopefully it all works out. And for those who play good and are within the margin of error because there is going to be error you are going to accidentally kill someone or accidentally nick someone and there are people who are going to be toxic and report you for no reason that happens i am in that margin i am a perfectly fair player i very rarely team kill even by accident now it still happens it's happened quite a bit in seven years but um i think i've only intentionally team killed people like a total of like 20 times which sounds like a lot it's not for seven years thousands of hours of playing rainbow that's not too bad so yeah um so that's a new system to keep the toxicity and the harassment down which is great so they're introducing that and i just wanted to mention that as well as um some operator meta stuff so when an operator is introduced even if it's sometimes a little unbalanced their gadget can drastically shift the way we think we play Mira is a defense operator when she was introduced that changed everything she had a dope ass submachine gun the vector um, and a couple other gadgets at her disposal but her ability was on a reinforced panel as I discussed in the last section she could put a one-way mirror on that so she can see through it and attackers who can see that there's a black mirror so that's how it's balanced it's not completely invisible otherwise that'd be so unfair so you can see that a mirror is on the other side, and you know there's a chance someone's watching you. So they watch you. It's a bulletproof one-way mirror, so they can't see in. You can see them, but it is bulletproof, so you can't shoot them. However, there is a red bar that when you punch it or shoot it, it takes a half a second, and it pops the glass open. Now it's just a window, and anyone, it's open. There's no glass or anything. Anybody can shoot through it, including the attacker. So that's the counter to it. But, of course, the defender gets the jump because they're the one activating it. So they can pop that bitch open and shoot someone when they're not expecting. That changed 
a lot when that came out. That was like year two or something, year three. That changed a lot in the meta because then all of a sudden people started walking a little more carefully around reinforcements. And you might think, well, that's unfair. They can just see you. You can't see them. They could pop it open and get the jump. Here's the thing. You hear it when it's popping. It takes a couple seconds so you can quickly react. Also, you can shoot it open if you're on the other side. If they put it in a bad spot and you're looking through another window or a doorway or you have Twitch drone, which is a little robot drone that shoots tasers and can break things, and it goes in there and pops it open, they're fucked. So there are counters to it. That's just one of the majillion examples of how operators can drastically shift the way we thought the game mechanics worked and the way everything plays, but still balanced enough where there's a counter, but it's not such a bad counter where it makes them useless. Now, with damage to their guns or their health pool or their speed or some of their gadget deployment methods, of course, sometimes they could be too overpowered or too underpowered, so there's some fine-tuning. But this, the bones of this game, the foundation of this game is so fucking strong that they're still building on that. So that's just one of many examples. I'll probably throw more later down the line. And then finally, as a last point, I just want to briefly make before I get more into the depths of, you know, the year pass and some other stuff. The the game had this huge halt. And I already discussed this in my one of my uh, episodes about uh, the video game industry and the reset point episode. Rainbow Six, in its early development, as it was growing, it had some rough starts, but as it was growing, like, year, year, year two, year one, it was growing pretty quickly, going from a couple million players to five, six, seven, eight, near ten million, and it was dropping consistent content, new operators, new maps, new updates, new perks, UI, all that stuff, it was dope, people couldn't get enough, more people were coming in, the riskiest thing to do is to not drop content for a promised season where year pass players, because you can buy a year pass and you get all four seasons of content from the rip. Now, you can pay in-game currency or pay out of pocket and save up or whatever for the operators, but and it's unfortunate they still have this policy in place, but I've gotten used to it. But for $30 in March, actually right around my birthday, which is why I'm always almost always able to get the year pass if I'm playing the game enough, I've gotten four or five of the year passes out of the seven. So, pretty dedicated. Anyway, if you buy the year pass, you get some bonus renown and features and all that. You also get all operators two weeks before they're available to everyone else, and you don't have to pay a penny for them. Nothing extra. Everyone gets the maps, the bugs, the UI, the fixes, the gadgets, the balance. Everyone gets that for free, which is good. It's just the operators. And you can get the operators by saving up your renown, and they've balanced how much it actually costs. So every time a new season drops, the renown, which is your in-game currency, the operator price drops by 5000 I think. So I almost bought an operator for 15000 renown last night when I was playing. And I said, well, this new season drops in two weeks. Let me just wait, because it'll be 10000 You know. Now, it takes a long time to save renown up, but if you play and you're good and you're getting extra reward and you're using boosters, it's more feasible than it's ever been. So, it's still plenty of way to play. I just buy the year pass because I want to support the game. I always have the money because it literally, the last last year, the season pass came out on my birthday, I think. Or, like, was on sale the year pass, not the season pass. There's four seasons in a year, but the year pass was on sale. So, and now they have a battle pass, and you can get that bundled in with it. So, you get the operators and the premium battle pass here, which is 
Gets you some extra stuff, some extra goodies. It's all cosmetic, though. What you really want to invest in is the operators. That's why you would buy the year pass. That's why you would spend that money. That's where it really matters. Everything else is fine if you want it, but not too important. So, my point is that um, there is this year pass. People paid for it, and it was season two or three of year one or two. And they had this operation called Operation Health. And it was kind of a felt last minute to the community because they didn't actually announce that when they announced the year pass, right? They Every time they announce the year pass, they have a roadmap, and it's dope. I think most game developers and studios and content people should have this, have a roadmap for the general flow and slate of content coming within that year or within a specified time frame. And for the love of God, try to deliver what you say, what you write in that roadmap, and stuff now rainbow smart they keep it vague two operators and a map cool <laughs> they probably already have it planned and are building it and programming it and all but they're keeping it vague until they hammer down the details and then core balances features fixes and those are usually harder to get in a condensed time frame but they eventually get in there which is always good so having a year map gives everyone something to look forward to and they drop that before the year passes on sale that way, when you're buying it, you know, okay, this is some of the content we're guaranteed to be investing in. You're investing in the development for, I mean, the game has plenty of money. It's not like they need money. But you are, with your money and time, you're investing in the growth of the game. So people who have invested, they're excited. This game was just blowing up. It was growing. It didn't hit its all-time, like, it didn't go mainstream quite yet, in my opinion. It, was a, it wasn't until after this. But they did this thing called Operation Health, and it blew me away. I was a little frustrated, but not too too upset. They didn't drop new operators. Remember, for like seven straight seasons at this point, or something crazy like that. Like for almost eighteen months straight, they were dropping new content every time there was a season drop. That's just how it was, and that was something to look forward to if you're getting a little bored. And even if you love the game and you're playing it consistently, like me, I was always looking forward to that. I marked my calendar. I'm like, all right, let's go, new operators. You know. It changes the game, and it's super fun to play. And uh, they didn't. They didn't drop the two new operators that they said they were going to. They didn't drop new maps. No new content. Instead, and they advertised this like a week or two before it happened, they did something called Operation Health, where they did an infrastructure change because Rainbow was smart enough to know that they have to future-proof themselves for the next decade. If they didn't, the game would not be playable now, and it would not be fun. So what they did is, instead of using the resources and time to put out content, even though they made those assets, they delayed those, and they did say that in the next seasons you will get an extra operator tacked on, so those who are paying and those who are expecting operators, by the end of the year, you're still getting the same amount of operators, maps, and content as promised from the beginning. We're just delaying it. Okay. No big deal. Right? I don't mind that. So... Um, with that in mind, I was a little less frustrated. Now, if they completely cut it and said, you're not getting two operators, that would be infuriating. And they would have gotten sued because people paid for that future content. So I'm glad they didn't do that. And in fact, they dropped some dope operators that were paired in later. So, um, instead, they chain they put everything on truly and better optimized dedicated servers they did a he reworks they did over like 200 
huge bug fixes, balances. They improve their net code, their hit registration. They somehow improve the graphics tenfold. They improve frame rate stability. They full future proof this game in like 2017, 2018. And they do small increments of those kinds of improvements, bug fixes in general, like gameplay, fluidity, enhancements that make this game able to still run with all the weight it has on it. But switching it to dedicated servers, fixing netcode, getting rid of old bugs that we had and hit registration issues and and just general detection stuff and, and a bunch of small visual audio glitches, bugs, improving the lighting, improving the the graphics, the, the sharpness, the, they had a huge redesign of the audio, which it was already phenomenal audio design. They punched it up and made it even more precise, crystal clear, and better. All this in one season update. It completely revolutionized the game, and it brought it ahead of its peers. And because of that, they're now, basically, they built a new infrastructure. So now, as they add new operators and content and all these things that really have added complexity to the architecture and infrastructure of this game it's not buggy this game is pretty well optimized pretty stable it has bugs it's not perfect there are balancing issues i'm not saying there isn't but it's pretty fucking solid for as many variables and dynamics that could completely ruin this game it has a very 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 well balanced and functioning anti-cheat system in place it has a reputation system it has no skill-based matchmaking because there's a casual and ranked playlist which is great it has pretty precise hit registration. It has better UI, cleaner graphics. It stays a solid 60 frames per second or more depending on your console and, and where you're playing. It has so much better latency server um, ping and uh, hit registration now than ever. And they're adding new content on top of all that and it's still running buttery smooth. So that fix, as painful as it was to not have content, fundamentally change the game and they'll probably have to do another one at some point because it was a relatively new engine when this game was built they actually built the engine for this game a new engine from the ground up they were using the old engine that unity assassin's creed unity was built on for rainbow six patriots which was the game in development before they canceled that game and switched it to siege but for the destructibility for the fluidity and to prepare for next gen for the new gen of consoles because it was in 2013 when they started development or 2012 they built a new engine so yeah eventually they'll need to have a rainbow six siege 2.0 or something where it's completely a new engine but that's going to be a while because this i mean cod Modern Warfare 2019 ran was optimized, looked beautiful, sounded great, and is built on an engine from 2007. And Modern Warfare 2019 is one of the best things ever, and they retooled and fixed that engine up. So, considering this engine was built in like 2014, 2015, it's got a lifetime ahead of it. It's got a long, long lifespan, in my, from what I can understand. Who knows? There are variables at play. But it seems pretty promising. And so that Operation Health in the first, I think it was the second, first or second year of Rainbow Six was crucial. And they've done updates and fixes that have improved the UI, overhauled a lot of mechanics stuff, but that's when it switched from sort of a few servers and mostly peer-to-peer -to, -peer to full server dedicated and more servers and better built server uh, farms and facilities and a bunch of other stuff with it.
So that's why I also love this game. It genuinely is doing stuff to improve and stay relevant and stay fun to play. And it's not always going to work. There are seasons where it sucks. There are years where it dips. But for the most part, it keeps on pushing. And year seven, other than, I mean, that season was huge. That was just a season. That wasn't a whole year. That was just a three-month span. But year seven feels like the closest thing we've had to that in a long time. And we're still getting a bunch of new operators and content, which is dope. But we're also getting some infrastructure changes that is clear Rainbow's preparing for the next 10 years. Let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So the first time uh, I, in a while that I had a podcast episode about Rainbow Six Siege was back in February, uh, about a month, month and a half before Year 7 started. We are now two weeks away from Season 3 of Year 7. So we're about halfway through the season. Uh, I'm sorry, through the year. And uh, so it's been about six months since then. I played it pretty consistently for a month or two. Then uh, I went back to playing too much Elden Ring. <laughs> and then, of course, other games and such. But um, I'm back, and, I, and I'm excited about this year. And the, the, It's the reason why I invested in the year past for the first time in two years. Not just because the operators looked for the first one that we knew of. I mean, that's a risk. You never know all the operators and their abilities when you buy the year pass. So it is a risk, but it's $30. You'll get them. And, um, you know, if you don't like them, then next year you just don't don't pay it. And if you know yourself better and you never want all of them, then, you know, you save that money and maybe you just buy some credits. That way you can, for like $10, and that way you can buy one or two operators of your choice by the time this year is over. It's up to you, right? For me, I was willing to put down the 30 because I had extra birthday money, but also because um, I was excited, and, and I'm glad I did, because uh, Az Azumi, Azami, she's a great defending operator, one of the best I've seen in a while. Sens, this year two guy, the season two, he's an attacker, he throws up this light wall thing, it, it's cool, not really my style, but that's okay. I very rarely buy a year pass, and all four of them are, like, my favorites, you know? In fact, the majority of my favorite ones are within the first three years of Rainbow. Not to say I dislike these new ones. These new ones are really cool. And I was looking at the roster the other day, and I'm like, I thought for a while, like during year five, Rainbow's operators were getting a little bland, boring, and not interesting. I was wrong. I just wasn't playing enough. There's like two or three that I think are just genuinely not interesting. Warden, Oryx, or Onyx, or whatever it is, Oryx, I think. And it, and there's like one other defender, one I, I'm not, I forget, the, I even forget their name. But everyone else at least is interesting enough, can be balanced enough, has a cool gun, right? Because that's the other thing. Oper these operators get different guns. Now, sometimes they have the same one, especially if they're from the same nation or, or that nation shares the same resources, right? Um, so, like, not every operator has a new gun. That would be so much work for the devs to do that because that's a whole new gun. Different stats, different caliber, different balance, right? But a lot of times they can introduce something real unique, like Zero, who is Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell, which is a dope addition, and he's really good in my opinion. 
he's just a medium build all the way around. He's fast enough, he's bulky enough, but he's not heavy, he's not slow, he's not crack cocaine quick. He's got his unique gun. There's literally no one else can have it. It's the SC3K, SC3000K, whatever. It's like a bullpup, bullpup assault rifle. I think. I don't even know what caliber. But it's it's high hitting. It's pretty compact. Um, it's just a solid assault rifle. It's not the greatest assault rifle in the game, I don't think, but it's pretty solid. And his gadget is... Um, it's actually really cool. It's this little gun that shoots a camera that can flip and look at 180 degrees. And that camera is on a has a taser that it can shoot that does like 10 damage to people, but more importantly, can take out gadgets. Um, and it's very small. And if you're not paying attention, you don't, you can't. I mean, you can hear it when it's shot, and you can hear it when it enters a surface. But if you're not paying attention, you may not. And um, it can go through reinforced walls, and it can be shot in corners. So, you know, people could shoot it. It could be jammed. It's not the, uh, but it's an intel tool, and man, it will help change a game. You could see behind corners in ways that you didn't think, or you could disable a trap. It's pretty useful. So sometimes a gadget isn't uh, very lethal or hard hitting. Sometimes it's just intel. Sometimes it's uh, to breach a surface or to defend a surface, set a trap. You know. And then other times, it is literally just a fucking gun. <laughs> like, Tachanka's defense is... I think it, it used to be this LMG thing. That's how it used to be for the longest time. But... And they they have always been reworking Tachanka to make him a more viable pick. Um, because at the end of the year, they can see the stats of who's picking who. And they can see how many how many people are picking what operators how many operators are being banned because in ranked you can there's a voting round where you can vote what maps to ban just out of three maps or two maps and they're gonna they're gonna bump that number up but out of two maps or no i'm sorry it's three out of three maps and your team can vote on banning and who are out of five people whatever's the majority is banned and then the other team picks on one so that or maybe it's four Oh, no, no, it's three, but you never know what they're picking, so, anyway, and then it randomizes between, well, it's either left to one, or it randomizes between whatever's left, and then the same with operators, each team bans one attacker, one defender, so there's a total of two attackers and two defenders that you can't play for that match, I think that's kind of cool, it's it's a very minute way of allowing the community in a ranked game where their rank really matters to them, if all of a sudden an operator's OP is fuck and everyone's picking them and cheesing the game, if the general consensus and enough people on your team vote to ban it, out of rotation. And it's, you know, of course, a team only gets to choose one attacker and one defender. So it's good for that. I, I At first I was like, oh, this sucks. And it does suck when your favorite operator is banned, but always have three or four operators you're very comfy with and like in the off, well, five, six, seven. Because now there's so many operators. I used to say at least have two or three that you like. But now, have at least seven at any point, or eight. That way, if by some odd ratio, which almost never happens, if all four of your teammates pick your four favorite, and one or two of them are banned, if you get a complete shutout on your f top five operators, you still have some you're comfy or familiar with or willing to play, and still do okay with.
So play around. Don't stay stuck with one. Learn the game. That's the thing. This game isn't too complex to learn. And now they've added the shooting range, which is lovely, as well as operator guides. So for people who are new to the game, since they're getting new people in droves, especially since this game is now on Game Pass on PC and on console, which is great for Xbox and PC players, and they get the deluxe edition, so they get some extra operators from the jump. Um, so now that it's so many people can just install it and play it, and then so many people are buying it because it's cheap. I mean, you can get it on sale anywhere. It's been out for seven years. The DLC and the extra content and operators may not be, but the base game and some of the operators are. So you can get in the game with low cost, and they have free-to-play weekends almost once, two or three times a year. And it, so you get to play it for free for the weekend, right, for two or three days, and then you get a discount, like 20 to 30% off the game. So there's so many ways to get new players in the door, and Rainbow understands it's about keeping their player base consistent, happy, growing, keeping the game growing, but also getting new people in there, because that's what keeps it growing. And they have a high ceiling. They, they can keep on pushing it. So they have these features like a shooting range, so you can get used to your recoil. They have Team Deathmatch, so you can spice up the gameplay a little bit and play a little more casually and relaxed. They have um, operator guide videos built in to the menu, main menu, and if you hit pause, it will now show instructions on how to use the gadgets, the operator gadget, and you can press play on the video and it's just a little GIF. It doesn't, it takes about three seconds and it just has a small animation to see kind of where it's placed, the flow of it. And it has just three or four steps and different uses on how that that's so helpful because I've been playing with friends of mine who are new to the game and I'm very well versed in the game and even operators I don't personally have I, I know how generally they work and I know what buttons and I kind of have an idea of how they work um, so now to just get the basics so you can at least play and then learn as you go which is m always more fun as long as you understand the controls and the general flow of the mechanics then to learn the intricacies and complexities of that build of that character of that game by playing is far more fun than watching a 20 minute youtube video breaking it down for you because you're not playing it when you're playing it you're actually learning from your mistakes more so than just watching a video however watching a video or listening to someone talk about it is very helpful and can be beneficial i sure did in my first few years to learn new tactics strategies things i didn't think about or realize that has taught me new ways to approach the game So those features are great, and what Year 7 has promised is a bunch of features that improve the quality of the game, the, the life blood underneath the operators and cosmetics and all the dope new content that's dropping. New maps, new modes, new operators. It's the first time we're really feeling like there's a huge change, uh, really a fresh new kind of revitalization. It wasn't stale or dull or anything. It was just having years where it was staying consistent on its course. So every few years, it's nice when it freshens it up. Year 7 is that. And I hope hope that Year 8 just keeps on with that trend. Because in Year 7, we have improved console uh, controls. They added an FOV slider. They're adding fine-tuning on the console side of things. Um, the gun range. Of course, the new operators the first time in two years a new map not a map rework an original map uh, team deathmatch which is dope uh, more event modes and features the 
expansion of Bravo and Alpha Packs and cosmetics, just a better rate drop and expansion and improvement on that. Um, and for the next two seasons, and it feels like the last season is going to gonna have a shit ton crammed in the final season of year seven because they put a lot of stuff tentatively. Cross-play and cross-progression is another thing they're adding, which is godsend, but there are some caveats. First off, the cross-play is purely between consoles. Um, PC could play between Stadia and Luna, other cloud services, and of course PC players. They will not be able to play against console players. I fucking hate that. I think that is the dumbest thing possible. I, d I know people are going to be like, oh, well, but it's a competitive shooter. I get that. I'm not saying they should be, um, like, always cross-play, in-ranked, all that. The game has enough modes, mechanics, and filters in general that you can toggle and make the cross-play work. And I'll get into that in a second. But they are, thankfully, praise the Lord, they're at the very least adding cross-progression, which is desperately needed. I have it on my PC. I would love to switch over and primarily play on my PC other than when I'm playing with my console friends. I'm fortunate enough to have a PC and my, and my older Xbox. So I... Uh, and have the game on, on both because of Game Pass. So I'm very fortunate for that. I understand that. Um, so if I want to play with my friends, right now, as it is, I just have to primarily play on my Xbox. Even when I'm alone. Because that's where all my content is. That's where my clearance level 150, that's where I have all my operators, all my stats, all my renown, everything. The credits, everything I have put into the game as it being one of my favorite games I've been playing for seven years. It's all there. So I have it on PC, but I'm a newbie on PC. I'm not even... I'm level 25. I don't have all the operators. It sucks. I don't even have the base operators. So I don't play it on my PC, even though I really want to get into playing mouse and keyboard. I think that's going to be a huge benefit to my playstyle, and I'm really excited to learn about how that'll really get into that. I think that's going to make it Rainbow an even more consistent game. Because I'm so used to playing it on controller, and I'm very good at it, and I, and I have to get back into it, and I'm getting my ass kicked right now because I'm getting back into the game. So it takes a few days to get back into the gel of things, but once I do, I'm good. But I played it on PC before. I mean, I've been playing it on PC, even though it doesn't have my progression there, and I do just better. Because I can aim better with a mouse than with analog. There's no other reason you do better other than that. And it plays a little better. It's better frame rate. So, yeah, I would much rather prefer to be able to play it on my PC and then still switch to my Xbox because I have plenty of fun there. Play with my buddies when they're online playing it, which is very rare now, so that's okay. But they don't have cross-progression, and it's baffling that they haven't had it for... at all. Yet. This game's been out long enough. Cross-progression is not a nuanced thing. Cross-progression was introduced to a lot of games, like Rainbow Six, years ago. So I think this should have come two or three years ago. But they are promising partial crossplay and cross-progression by the end of this year. They were promising it at the beginning of this year. Of course, it's very intricate to try to figure out, and they're kind of switching over their cloud service suites to Ubisoft Connect, so that's partially probably why it was delayed. I just hope when they do it, it works. And there's no funky, funny business. I hope I can just seamlessly connect it. My accounts, it migrates the data. 
and hopefully it actually keeps it backed up. That way, if something goes wrong with that account setting, I don't lose everything. But even if I do, I still will have it physically saved on my Xbox. And hopefully a new copy saved on my PC. But my point is, um, that's going to be very useful for players who have migrated PC, which plenty of people do. And they want to play Rainbow with their stats. They don't want to start new. Now, part of me thinks, well, maybe actually it would be kind of cool to start fresh. Really work up a new rank, new stats, nothing hindered by having the game since the first month and learning the game, then again, fuck all that. I don't have all the operators. I am not spending that much more money when I literally have... I can't... I don't have the year pass on my PC. Just, I mean, it's as simple as that. So, like, honestly, if I never bought any new operators, and I, which would have never happened, and if it wasn't that big of a deal, maybe I would try starting new new ranks fresh as if I'm a new player with the knowledge I have of the game. But that's I don't really care about that. I don't care if someone looks at my rank then. I think it's kind of cool if you see I've been playing the game that long and I have all these operators with all my also all my customization things that I've unlocked and earned in one customization kit. I bought the I bought the elite bundle for fuse. So stuff like that. Cross progression is coming later this year, which is great. That's not the only thing they're doing. They're adding recoil bat pattern fixes um, in the next couple weeks. And so recoil is going to be increased on PC by like 10%. Not too major. And it's where the first third of your magazine on your gun, from what I understand, is going to stay the same as it always has. But the last, but the second half, it's going to kick up a little bit more. And by the third half of the magazine, it's going to be way up for full auto guns right not semi-auto for full auto guns it's a very simple mechanic it's a three-stage process and the reason why they're doing that is so you can't hold the spray button because it's unfair to have an lmg hold the spray button with very little kick up it still kicks up there's still recoil and it's significant enough where you're off target but obviously this is to really incentivize control fire bursts. Still, a third of the magazine, by the way, is plenty for most encounters. And that's if you're holding it down. Just don't hold it down. Just tap fire. Fire 10, 15 rounds. Uh, fire first, well, 5 to 10 rounds if you're doing an assault rifle or a submachine gun. Don't hold that down. But for that first segment... If you do, which you most likely will, if you're caught off guard, you're holding that down. You're just holding the fire button. Um, the recoil stays the same, so that's nice. It's, it's good that it like that it's not a flat across the board. All the recoils kicked up. It's a progressive thing that just de, de incentivizes uh, LMGs primarily, but also larger magazine um, rifles, assault rifles, and submachine guns to just hold and spray with very little punishment on the recoil side. So that's a cool fix. That's only on PC. Um, why, you may ask, I'm not quite sure. I think it's because on console, for the most part, first of all, they look at the stats of who everyone picks, what kind of guns they use, how often they're picked, how successful the win rate and the kill-death ratio. Like, they can see all that data. So they're making these adjustments based on the data, as well as some of what the community input is. So I, I do trust that they kind of know what they're doing at this point. And it seems that part of that reason is, first of all, console... Because we're working with analog sticks, 
we don't have as much precise aim and motion of aim as a keyboard and mouse, so f increasing the recoil would would make it far more frustrating. Like, it, it just would. Now, I've been playing on console most of my life, and I'm very good at it, and I've been doing good as a solo rank. Like, I, I'm not going to say, like, I'm the best rainbow player. I'm not pro, but I'm very good at the game, especially when I'm in the groove and I've been playing, you know. Right now, I'm rusty. I'm just sharpening my tools again, getting back into flow. It's kind of like chess. I know the I know the game. I know the I got the muscle memory, but first handful of matches are gonna kick the shit out of me for a few days until I get back in the habit of it. Right? That's what I love about this game. But um, but yeah. So that recoil thing would be a bitch to deal with on console. So they're just not having that on console. But that's also the first time where they're separating. Uh, gun balances and recoil patterns between console and PC. It's always been universal. They do it on one, it happens on the other. And that's that, that was okay, but now it's such a big, diverse marketplace in a game that isn't fair because what, what the adjustments and fine-tuning that's needed on a PC is different from what's needed on a console from the control setting standpoint. Of course, the operator balances will stay the same, obviously, but... Um, but just how you control recoil, dead zone, all that. It's nice that controller is getting more support, not less. That's always good to see. So, cross-play, cross-progression, that. Oh, we're also getting um, in year two, uh, year seven. This is another huge, huge thing in my mind. Ranked 2.0. First off, they have two-factor authentication when you log into Ranked to make sure you're not a bot, which is kind of cool. It's not required, but it's optional, and it does help with your with the security of everything, which is interesting. You just, it, like, you, you scan a code on your phone. That way they know you're a legitimate person, you're not a hacker or something. I don't know. It, I don't know quite know how it works, but they're kind of rolling that out. But Ranked 2.0. So Ranked is incredible, right? It's bomb. You're playing people more competitive usually it's you know it's a more serious match <laughs> people taking it more seriously um and it's super fun and intense and when you're playing ranked you really do care about your rank like you it, once you get into it you you really don't want it to to be too shitty now you take some caveats with that if you are a solo ranked player like me your solo queue i i just know it is really up in the air i could do really well and that doesn't change jack shit about it. Because if you lose the game, if you do really well but your teammates suck, or you just don't quite do as well as the other team, doesn't matter. If you lose the game, it hurts your rank. That's okay. I've gotten used to that. So I'm not going to ever really be diamond or platinum unless I find a consistent group of friends who play it with me and we really grind it. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I want to stay in the gold area. I do. As a solo queue rank, that's my goal. Stay between gold three and one. That'd be nice. Um, so I'm, I'm working towards that. Of course, there's only like two weeks left of this season, so this will be kind of my warm-up. And then once that new season drops, it resets the ranks for everyone. All that, clean slate. I'm going to go in. I'm going to really... I mean, other games are coming out this fall. I'm going to be super busy, so we'll see if I can actually stick to that. You know, There's a slim chance I'll actually be able to, but I'm looking forward to at least giving it a shot and um, to the new operator, which looks dope. But um, but rank 2.0 is interesting because it's kind of reworking some stuff within the ranking of stuff. MMR, which is the 
I forget what it stands for, but it's how the points are allocated to progress your rank. And there's, okay, let me make sure I get this right. I think it's wood. Or no, it's copper. Wood is war zone. There's copper, bronze, silver, gold. And then platinum. And then diamond and then champion or diamond, platinum, and then champion. I forget where diamond and platinum rank. I forget which one comes first. Anyway. Champion is so rare. That's like 3% of the entire Rainbow Six player base. Like, that's esports. That's pro level. You, you ought to, if you're in a champion, you, you ought to be getting paid uh, big bucks for that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, Diamond and plat, that is not easy to do. Especially if you're solo queue, it's damn near impossible. But it, it's not easy to do, so that's pretty. Gold is the most challenging, but also most common place for the challenge. And then silver is second to that. So you'll see a lot of people in gold, but gold is that truly the most challenging turning point. To go from gold 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So it counts down within the rank so there's copper five four three two one bronze five four three two one and so on and so forth right to go from gold three to one is extremely difficult and when you look at the percentage tables right now you can see exactly how many people are between gold five four and three and exactly how many people are gold one the drop off is like 25 percent to 30 percent it's insane it's incredible how many fewer people are in gold one than gold three absolutely phenomenal that turning point is pretty hard to do and then of course going gold one to platinum five or maybe it's four i don't know is very difficult my point or diamond whatever it is the next rank so my point is it's it's difficult but the way the mmr system works is a little convoluted in it how it dishes out what points and it doesn't quite make a lot of sense they're saying okay we're sorry we're gonna we're gonna rework the numbers and the balancing and make sure it's a little more fair to all types of players which i do like now i'm kind of uh, a miss on some of the specifics i forget exactly how they're doing all of it so i do apologize i'm a little inaccurate or if they've changed or come out with new news on how they're approaching this but basically the way this works and it's going to be a slow phase and it's going to they're going to start phasing it in by the end of this year and then polishing tweaking reworking it but the numbers are going to be 100 mmr i believe so the, the lowest point you started is 1,500, I think, or 1,600. From that, every 100, I think this is how they're doing it. I don't know if it's 100 or 1,000 or something, but it's just it's a clean number. It's not some weird, odd number. It's a pretty clean number, and once you get to that, it gives you the next stage. So your gold 5, you need maybe it's 1,000. No, that seems ridiculous. Maybe it's 200. Anyway, it's a pretty clean number. You just need that much more MMR, and then you get to gold 4, and then so much more MMR gold 5. And each stage, even if you're still in gold, still gives you a little reward, bonus XP, maybe a cosmetic goodie, you know, an extra incentive to keep you like, oh, okay, you're doing good. And then I think, it's, I think it is for every 1,000 MMR. It is the next stage, or it's just something like that. But it's more clean cut. I'm I'm not doing it justice because I don't remember the exact metrics. But basically, they're just making it a little more streamlined and easier to read and understand the information, as well as they're I think they're making it a more um, baseline level of how much you lose and how much you gain 
depending on when you lose or win in a ranked match. Because it's a little random. Like, sometimes it's really dramatic. Like, you can be at bronze 4 and shoot up to silver 2 from one match. And you're like, what the fuck? It's not very consistent. And then equally, in one match, you could just lose all that. Like, it's really... It's not unbalanced or unfair, I would say. We've gotten used to it. And it's not, it's not always that way, but it can be. And it's a little hard to kind of pin why or understand what exactly benefits to that. So I don't remember exactly how, and I think they're also now taking in a small percentage into account of how well you play. So if you, so I think that's what they're doing, and if they're not, I hope they do. But I believe that is what they've mentioned before. They just haven't given an exact example of how they will pursue that. This is completely speculative and hopeful from this point on, but I really hope they do it like this. I hope that it's 50%, 50%. I hope, let's say you get... Let's say you lose a match, but you play exceptionally well, like you get the highest score, which is how they would rate that. They wouldn't base it on KD, they'd base it on points. So if you get the highest score out of all, out of both teams, or if you get the highest score on your team, or if you're in the top three or the top five, so if you're in the top five between both teams, or if you're in the top three, so if you're, yeah, if you're the top five out of all ten players, top 50%, it won't punish you quite as bad. It'll still punish you, but not as bad. If you're in the top three of all ten it won't as bad. If you are like number one, like you scored the most between both teams, which I which I do a lot. Not only am I doing the best on my team, I'm doing better than anyone on their team in terms of score. And sometimes that directly correlates with KD ratio. Um, then you're punished significantly less even if you lose. I don't think that's how they're doing it, but that would be lovely if that is. Because that would mean... Yeah, especially for solo queue players like me. That would be so much more rewarding and enjoyable to play alone because that would mean 50% of it's still based on us if we win or lose. But it's not such a hard hit if I play well. Now, if I play terribly and we lose, I'm still impacted the same way. But if I play really well, I shouldn't be... If I'm solo queuing, and maybe they only make this a metric for people who only solo queue, I don't know. But if I'm doing that, like I really, I don't think that's fair... That if I play really well, just because I don't have a teammate or friends to play with or they're not playing well, that just because we lose should be the only determining factor. I think there should be a percentage value in how well you play. And I don't know if they're actually going to introduce something like that to make it a little more balanced and less punishing for when you lose, even if you play well, is what I'm getting at. So that would be great, even if it was 25% to 75%. So if I play well and it scores that, and we still lose, I'm not dented quite as bad because I still played well. And then, of course, if we win and I played really well and I scored, I get a little bonus bump in my rank. I think that's just a natural way of incentivizing and balancing it so the individual's ability to perform is also a contributing factor. I don't know if that's already in implemented there and it's just not apparent to me and I don't know if they're going to plan on doing that. But... Regardless, I would really like to see a, a system in place like that for Ranked. But yeah, so Ranked is getting a bunch of overhaul on its data, on its map rotation, some of its rules and balances, and it's going to be really beneficial for all Ranked players. Um, so that's going to be exciting. So we've gotten new maps, a bunch of new operators, some huge bug balance fixes, we're getting partial crossplay, we're getting cross progression, we're getting ranked 2.0, we're getting this reputation system, we're getting an improved 
anti-cheat system that's been updating and, and being more efficient. It feels like we've gotten improved graphics and lighting as well. Um, a small tick up as well as an entire new UI layout which is kind of clean and, and more sleek and rework of the operator icon so we've gotten a lot of change and improvements in this year already and we're only halfway through we got two seasons left the new season's about to come out so we're about to be a lot further through but it's an exciting time to be a rainbow player and I hope that year seven really delivers on this cross progression stuff especially and it's partial crossplay. I hope this rank 2.0 and all these systems that they're introducing and going to be polishing over time really lands and works and only sets the ground up for improvement and uh yeah and i hope more uh incredible things could come in the future so i'm going to get into uh i've already discussed the gameplay mechanics i've discussed some of my experience and and general thoughts and, and you know intricacies in the game and the development as well as this year and how it impacts the entire life cycle now i want to conclude and um, have my final points on what I'd love to see in the future of Rainbow Six Siege. Stick around. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all doing well. So, I want to do a quick uh, little update. Um, I watched a, a YouTube video just quickly to refresh exactly what was discussed about Rank 2.0. Um, I was mostly on the money. So, the way it's going to work uh, in rank 2.0, which we'll be releasing in the final season of this year, hopefully. It was targeted for this upcoming season, and they didn't reach that. And they've got a lot packed into season 4, year 7, season 4, which is the most exciting. And it's what's made this entire year worth kind of investing in. And they delivered on a, on a lot of it already, so it seems promising. But it's a, it's a lot to deliver on and cram into one f finale update for the year, uh, which would probably come around... November, December-ish. Um, maybe. No. September. Yeah, December. I would think mid-December. Early, maybe, December. Because some of this stuff isn't reaching the target deadline of this season, so it's being pushed back. So hopefully that means that since this season's going to be a little light other than the new operator and introducing Stadium Map and having some pretty cool balances and fixes. I mean, it's, it's actually a plentiful update that's going to really refresh a lot um but new content coming in year seven so real quick the rank 2.0 i was mostly on the money it is a hundred points of mmr and you hit each rank and so gold five hundred points or gold four it will show exactly where you are how much more you go and you get a little reward per every 100 points and of course those rewards get better so that's good. So I was right about that for the most part, but it's really clean cut, just straight to the point, and you get to see all your your data. It's also, it is actually under the hood, rank 2.0 is also really bringing the light to mechanics in the same time when you're in a ranked game. Your public rank, which is what everyone sees, oh, your diamond, oh, your gold, how you're doing for that season. The flashy one, the one everyone really cares about and a way to balance skill-based matchmaking even more. I always think it's pretty good, but because with this new implementation, at the start of the season, instead of having 10 ranked matches where you place at random and you could be placed at diamond, you could be placed at platinum, you could be placed at bronze or gold, that's how it currently works. And that's purely based on win-loss. 
when you once rank 2.0 comes out when you after the, at the end of the season when you restart your rank your public rank and there, there's a reason why I'm discerning discerning dividing that term your rank will be reset as it always is that's not new but it'll be reset to copper so it won't matter what placement matches you do there's no I doubt there's any more placement matches which is nice playing 10 ranked matches takes a while and it's a little frugal. You don't know exactly... Frugal? Is that the right term? I don't know. You don't know exactly where you're going to land. And some people like that. They just got used to it. I don't think that's the best mechanic. I think it needs an overhaul. And it's getting one. Here's the overhaul. Starts at copper. That's going to piss a lot of people off. But you will climb up and you will know exactly how many points you need because it's now at a 100-point base system. There's no weird gap in between. No weird odd numbers, right? And on top of that... The fear is, okay, well, if someone was a champion or diamond or platinum last season and it just reset yesterday, <laughs> they still have that skill. They've still been grinding. How the hell would that be fair if everyone's a copper? They're all placed together. So a diamond level player is now in with everyone else and it just shows that they're copper. That would have been a huge oversight. That would have caused a huge, huge imbalance. But that's not what's happening because there's an there is a personal rank system. We don't get to see it as players. We don't know it, but it's calculating the data points on how well you are playing. So I was kind of right in the sense that it doesn't actually benefit your public rank, but it does tell you who you're pairing with, which is really important. So if I was a gold three and I was playing like a gold three, genuinely, I was getting that rough KD ratio, getting those points, just doing all that. And it has a bunch of stats and metrics to kind of balance against how successful your win rate, how many kills you did, how many deaths, all that. So it's a good way to get an overview uh, for the season and for your career lifetime, how well you generally play. So it's this hidden personal internal ranking system on how you play. So even within copper that you're still going to try to grind for when you're first placed there, I'm not going to be placed with a diamond person if I was playing not as good. Those two systems are in place for two different reasons. One covers the overall game and your teamwork and all that, and the other one really focuses on how well you play. So it makes it so... It's just a balancing act, so it makes it so... If you play great, you're playing like a diamond player. You're getting those kills. You're getting those points. You're thinking outside the box. You're scoring up all that, and you're leading the team into victory, and you're winning that many games to even be a diamond rank on the public-facing front. When you start as copper, you're going to be paired with other people who are playing like you. That's all it's meaning. It's just going to be a more fine-tuned way so it's not just throwing a diamond person against a copper person who just got the game. That would be hugely unfair and unfun and impossible to grind up. And also the reason why we all start at copper is so it gives us a clear line of pushing up. Not being randomly placed high up and then getting knocked down or low and building up. It's consistent. Everyone starts somewhere and they're all put in the lobbies with people who play similar near to their skill range. I think that's great. And if it all works out, good. So that's the new rank system. Here's something I've been mentioning. I had no fucking idea this was happening. They haven't been advertising this. I have mentioned this before in other podcasts that Rainbow Six is the type of game that needs a legacy playlist mode. 
I've been begging for it. I've had three or four episodes in my entire podcast channel history about Rainbow Six, and almost every time I've begged and pleaded, please add a playlist mode, a permanent playlist where everyone can play with the new bug fixes in UI, of course, so there's not a broken game, but play on how the maps were originally with how the operators, with the operators that were there and the attachments that they had. The balancing and the fine-tuning is fine to keep modernized, right? But to have, like, to play on how? To play a year one mode where it's just maps from that. So you're playing on house with Jaeger's ACOG and Pulse's over-powered uh, pulse sensor or something like that. Just so people get an idea generally how it played and looked. And to celebrate the rich and diverse history. I just watched a YouTube video explaining what's coming in Season 4 as well, called Permanent Arcade Modes. Arcade modes are these really fun, diverse, kind of... I think it's separate from events, but maybe it's the same thing, where it's just these unique modes that um, come in temporarily, spice it up. And one of those modes is Legacy. I had no idea. I Apparently, I'm not playing this game enough for the past couple years, obviously, because I never knew that mode even existed as a temporary event thing. That's awesome why have i not heard of that so now instead of just being temporary and at random where someone who like me who's a dedicated rainbow player who hasn't been playing admittedly enough for the past couple years as consistently but i've spent enough hours where i'm still a huge fan obviously i'm talking about it today now it's permanent it's stationary so i don't know how that'll play out i don't know how many modes that is i don't know what all that's about but if it has all those arcade modes that would be so fun, and that would add to the diversity of what to play in Rainbow. And for my friends who have it now, they get to go back in time. That's amazing. That gets me so excited for Season 4. I can't. I can't. And then, of course, on top of that is cross-progression, which they're going to implement in a bunch of other stuff. Balances and such. So that's a lot of... I mean, if anyone has ever played Rainbow or knows how these seasons work, that's a lot of shit to pack. Like, usually, like with this next season, they had to push all this stuff back. So for this next season, they got the new operator. They got the stadium map, which is being introduced as a permanent map, which is cool. In the ranked rotation, it's a dope map, so that's good. They've got recoil pattern fix, bunch of bugs, balances, nerfs, buffs, as always, as well as... Um, uh, couple other small things but really the biggest newest refreshing most refreshing thing is oh and also the starting of the reputation system which i also learned that reputation system i was explaining is still mechanically pretty much the same thing what i didn't realize is that the reputation system has three phases negative neutral positive negative obviously means you're toxic no one be careful you're in the negative neutral means you're just playing as you should nothing nothing too Nothing terrible, nothing great. And then positive, you're actually an exemplary uh, player. You're doing above the average. In each neutral and positive, you get some extra rewards for that, especially positive. You get some bonus rewards for being just a good player, like not in terms of skill, just not being a dick, not being toxic, being a good community member. So it rewards that, and it also will publicly show that. It'll show your reputation score. That way... When you're teaming, when you're playing with people, they can look at your reputation, and if you have a a low rating one, people can know to be aware to 
you know, be careful around you. So it's another preventative of toxic players. And then, of course, internally, if you abuse that enough, that's where Battle Eye and Reverse Friendly Fire comes in and literally will mechanically take you out of the game. That's dope. I didn't realize it was going to be public-facing. Along with that, it sounds like they're going to add back the ability to look at people's clearance level and their rank. I don't know why, but a lot of times you can't do that. Maybe it's a glitch, or maybe it's a maybe it's a setting I have on my game. I don't know. But I can't see the clearance level of other people. I have no idea what level they are anymore. Used to just show it. And I got pissed when they took that away. I'm like, it just shows their XP. It just tells me how long they've been playing this game. It gives me an idea of how much they know of this game. If you're level 55, you have to be 50 now to be ranked. If you're level 55, that's telling me you're... Unless you started a new account, which is always a possibility... You may not know everything, but you're still good enough. If I'm playing casual and I'm playing with a level 5, you know, it's just kind of cool to know. And then also to see someone's rank. I think that's kind of the whole point in having a rank is to flex it a little bit. There's no shame in that. Sometimes you don't want people to see your rank, but you see it at the end of a ranked match anyway in the leaderboard, so I don't know why you can't look at it individually while you're loading in or whatever. So they're adding that back. So Season 4 has a lot of things that I was like going to say I'd love to see in the future. But that permanent legacy arcade mode, I, I, am, um, I am overcome with glee about that. That is probably now the most exciting thing I've heard. Yeah, cross-progression is going to be really good for me so I could play on PC. But oh my god, having that. If, honestly... If they add that, and if for the love of God they add crossplay, please just do it. And here's how I want them to add crossplay. Let's get into now what I'd love to see, and then I'll conclude my thoughts so I can go and play Rainbow Six Siege. Here's what I'd love to see in the future going forward, post year seven, season four. If they match, if they actually meet everything they say. If they don't, I want them to meet and and get everything they say in a timely and functioning manner. I want that reputation system, rank 2.0, the permanent arcade modes, the cross progression. Um, of course, the new operators, maps, modes, bugs, bounce, fixes, and everything in between. I want all that still. And I would love to have that all delivered efficiently and on time. Don't don't promise it. Don't put it in that roadmap. Don't slate it if you can't make it. If you got to delay it within the year, it sucks. But if you're pushing it back a season because you got to work on it, great. But get that shit going. I mean, cross-progression has been in work for a while, and it should have come out in March or April of this year. It is now August and it will not be coming out till December. If even that. I fear it's going to be pushed back to year 8. I just hope not. I really don't want it to. They announced that they were working on it in June of 2021. It's August of 2022. So it's already been an entire year, and that was okay, because in the new year, they said this is when it's coming out. And they've been working on it the whole time. It's not like they're not working on it. So they're working on it and balancing and making sure it all works or whatever. But I'm like, what? It's cross... It's just... How... They have it for other games within Ubisoft. So that's what I don't understand. But once again, I'm not a game designer or an engineer, so I, I... I don't understand. There's probably complexities to it that, that is beyond me. So um, that's okay. I'll wait. But they better deliver. And soon. This shit is ridiculous. I, I can wait longer, but um, I really want to start playing on my PC more consistently with my stuff. And this is really drawing a hindrance to it. So 
let's let's get it going. Come on, especially since they added um, Rainbow Six Siege to Xbox Game Pass PC. That's like when they did that, I thought, okay. Well, then they did that in December of twenty one. So I'm like, obviously, obviously it's coming soon. And so the thought was like March, April ish of twenty twenty two. Maybe to summer, maybe it'll take till June. But between that time frame, between March and, and June, that three month time frame, we should be seeing cross progression fully implemented and working and up and going. Oh my god. I wish they had that. I wish. Anyway. Um so yeah. I'd love to see all those be implemented. That permanent arcade legacy mode, that's a whole mode I'm I'm just super excited for. I'm gonna do some research on that, make sure that's really coming true. God, I would love to see that. As well as the other arcade modes. I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. I've played a few of them. They're really fun. And they really diversify the, the playing pool. So uh, that's just a plus all the way around. That just adds diversity and longevity to, to an already phenomenal game. Um, here's some things that I would love to see in year 8. And, and just going forward. Just general things. It's not going to be as specific because I'm not smart enough to figure out what the hell I would want specifically. They just keep on up in the ante and promising things that I couldn't even have imagined. Um, but here's some things I'd love to see. Um, I would love for, um, more game modes within, not, like, separate, but with more objective types. We have Bomb, T, uh, Secure Area, and Hostage. We have Team Deathmatch as a whole separate lobby. That's fine. But... I don't quite know how you would diversify that, but I would love to see that. Here's another thing I'd love to see. I would I would think it'd be really cool if we can get, um, in the future, playlist modes that are maybe just casual, not ranked. Ranked shouldn't really be bothered because it's already such a, you know, balancing act. So mostly when I talk about these new modes, they're separate modes or playlists or within the casual pool. Um, I would love to see 10v10. That's right. I said it. And casual. As an option, you can select to play it, right? It, it, it won't just be in the playlist. It would be to, probably its own playlist then, just so people don't accidentally get pulled into that, because that would be a huge fundamental shift in how the game works. But we now have enough players and maps and modes and ways of playing. I mean, back then, you... I know it's meant for 5v5, and I'm still fine with that being the standard. It's perfect. But 10v10 would be fucking dope. That'd be way more intense. That'd be like big team battle. I mean, that that would... Maybe it's too much, but that would be kind of cool. Just stuff like that. When Outbreak came out, that was dope. A PvE against zombies. Um, I would... That's fine that we don't have that. I would love to see some sort of um, uh, more AI, PVE, teaming up with your buddies, missions. Difficult ones, intricate ones, like Clean House on, of course, Rainbow Maps or some new maps with the gadgets and stuff. We used to have AI bots for training. That was cool. It's pretty simple, but it was cool. I don't know where all that went. Those bots in the white coats. That was like kind of the baseline story with Angela Bassett as like the leader of Rainbow. And you had to eliminate these terrorists. Terrorist hunt. That's what it was called. 
play the objectives is a great way to kind of get familiar with the gunplay. It's actually how you trained with each operator in the beginning of the game when it first came out before you jumped into the multiplayer. You had to do a few of those modules so you knew how the game worked. So it was a tutorial. But then there was the offline mode where you just play the objectives. It was kind of fun. It was stupid easy. So I think they need to add it and make it really some more intricacy and challenge. Maybe have a timer. I don't know. But like a survival spec ops type of mission like what COD Modern Warfare would do. But for Rainbow. Just as a mode. I'm just saying let's try some shit. Because as fun as the main mode is, I, I do see the problem when, when my buddies, I could play it for forever. But when my buddies get tired of it, after two or three matches, they're going to want to switch over. And Team Deathmatch is good, but it's really not that great. Let's be honest. Like, it's okay, but it's it's not all what it's cracked out to be. So, I don't know. Some stuff like that would add some diversity and, and keep people. Also, I think it's time we get a campaign. I know that's huge. Um, so, that would be later in a few years. But, why not? We have enough operators. Cinematics. You guys have enough of a team and a budget now where... I don't know how, but develop a campaign. I mean, for fuck's sake, they developed Rainbow Six Extraction simultaneously while making... They made it in... First of all, they made the Outbreak mode, which had a cinematic, and which was four, f three or four original maps with an entire new gameplay mechanic and five new enemy variants for a PvE alien zombies type with three of your f friends try to complete objectives. It was dope. And that was all built for a temporary mode. And it was so popular, they said, okay, let's give it funding and call it uh, and make it a thing and then it became the shitty game Rainbow Extraction because it was a $60 full price game with not enough weight to it for anything it's the first time Rainbow Six Siege had a spinoff and it was a colossal failure why it wasn't just a side mode like COD Zombies and now what's funny is COD Zombies is so well made when it's done by Treyarch and it's so intricate that it could be its own standout mode but mind you COD Zombies there's been like eight or nine zombies games and spin-offs and types and variants and for the most part they've all improved polished or learned from their mistakes that'd be like if world at war cod zombies was its own individual game that would be boring as shit that's what rainbow thought they could do there's no reason to not have a PvE mode. You can add more stuff to Rainbow Six Siege. It doesn't just have to be the main ranked multiplayer mode. As fun as that is, I could play that for forever, and a lot of people could. There's no reason to make your game more appealing and have some diversity within the game so people don't leave it. And so people don't feel like they have to buy a new game. Which takes away time, mind you, from playing that. So, add new modes. Reintroduce Outbreak. Reskin it. Fuck extraction. Burn extraction to the ground. Chop it off. Re just bring exactly what Outbreak was in, what, 2018? With Finca and Lion? Bring all that back. Punch it up, polish it, add some more content to it, flush it out, and keep it a permanent mode. So that way we would have it in a, in a perfect world we'd have cross progression at rank 2.0 we'd have all the standard stuff that everyone loves to play with rainbow we'd have new operators coming in new maps all that then we would have the permanent arcades so we could play legacy we could play some interesting arcade modes maybe outbreak is part of that but it was really a one-time event thing have new events also that western shootout showdown that was dope like they they make these entire new maps cinematic they make entire cgi cutscenes. they had 
new skins and designs which you can earn and, and buy from packs and stuff, they do all of that just for it to go away in three months. And then maybe some of it comes back, and then sometimes it becomes its own spinoff. So bring all that content back, keep it permanent in a play playlist rotation. Have a separate 10v10 or something. Have a PvE AI survival wave mode. Really, you do all that, and you still keep the priority there, people are going to have a much harder time leaving Rainbow Six Siege. And have way more to do when they get frustrated or bored with casual or ranked. Which can happen. It's hard, but it can happen. On top of the rank 2.0, trying to grind your way up, all that, that would just cherry on top. And then finally, add crossplay. Let's get to this. Crossplay, crossplay, crossplay. Beyond not just partial, full crossplay integration across all devices that can handle it. At least towards next gen, at the very least. I get it if, like, older gen consoles, it's too difficult. In fact, it probably is. So keep it next gen. PS5, Xbox Series X, PC. Let's make all those perfectly cross-play. Okay, and I'm, I'm already here in the rage. Sorry, you can't. But you, you, it's a competitive. You can't. Shut the fuck up. I can. Here's what I'm saying. Cross-play, for one, is a toggle. It shows you where it is when you open up the game for the first time. And it shows you every few months. Every time there's a season update, it reminds you. Cross-play is on. It'll tell you, maybe, when you start a match. Just a little reminder. Just, hey, cross-play is enabled between all these, between all devices. Do you want to disable this before you start? Or whatever. That way, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Choices, people. It's important. <laughs> the whole notion of, no, I don't agree with someone choosing yes, but I'm not even going to give them the option to choose yes or no for themselves. I'm going to make an... an uh, a unilateral decision for them. I think that's the dumbest fucking approach to keeping everybody, uh, everybody's um, well-being in check. And I know that's an exaggeration for a video game, but it's true. You may not want crossplay. I get it. If you don't have anybody who you'd rather play with or any pool you'd rather be put in on crossplay, you just want to play on Xbox or PlayStation. People, you. I get you wouldn't want to get fucking smoked by PC people. Here's the thing. You don't know if other people want to try that, want to run the risk, or who have friends who are on different consoles, and that would be the main purpose for that. Okay, and then you'd be like, well, Sai, that's the issue. How do you this and that? You don't put it in ranked either. So first off, it's a toggle system. So you can turn it off completely or turn it on completely. If you turn it off, you just play the way you've been playing this entire time because it's not even there yet. If you turn it on, bam, you're able to. But when you turn it on, the only playlists you're able to play cross-play with are the ones that don't affect your rank because that's the only reason why you would be upset. Yeah, it'd still be frustrating in casual and unranked if you're playing against PC and getting smoked. And if you are, guess what? You turn it back off. Simple as that, right? So so you have that option, and then it's not even in-ranked at all, ever. Not even as a toggle on or off. I can concede to that. I can accept that. It sucks, but I can still... So unranked, casual, and then with this permanent arcade, with TDM, and then with any other kind of bonus mode, if you turn crossplay on, you could play with your friends on any device that they're on playing Rainbow Six in all of those modes except ranked. 
Of course, a lot of friends want to grind on ranked together. Too bad. Console versus PC in a ranked playlist, especially for Rainbow, is too much. That is way too unbalanced, and that would make a fucking mess of everything. Now, I know, naturally, even in casual and unranked, people take it seriously, and it's competitive. I don't care. They're not being ranked, so they can suck it up. I just don't care. If you want it, because because on top of that, you give them the option to turn it off anyway. That as well. So, you're not inherently forced to play with crossplay people if you don't want to, even in casual and unranked and other modes. So, you turn it off completely, you don't have to deal with it. It's like it's never existed. You turn it on, for everything but ranked, you get to play with your friends if you have it on. Of course, you run the risk of being thrown in the pools where other people have it. So, you might want to remember to turn it off if you're playing alone and if you don't want that challenge. That's a balancing act, and it would probably never exist. But I'm going to keep making that point till the day I die. Toggle options are a thing. It's in Call of Duty. You can toggle crossplay on and off. It's in Rocket League. Sometimes they're buried in the settings. I wouldn't want them to be buried in the settings so people don't miss it. But why not? Um, Rainbow can afford to do it because Rainbow has a ranked playlist, an unranked playlist, and a casual playlist. So they can very well do it where crossplay just isn't in ranked at all, because that's the concern that most people have. If I'm playing, if I'm a console player, I do not want to be in a ranked match against PC people because they're trying their hardest and they will have the advantage. In unranked, yeah, it would still suck if I get my ass kicked, and that's kind of the balancing act that their Ubisoft and everyone's worried about. It wouldn't be fun if you're getting your shit stomped. But it once again, last time I'll make the point: if you have it as a toggle. You can turn it off as soon as you don't like it. That's it. Simple as that. All this does is it enables people who want to play Rainbow with their friends, and their friends do not have the same consoles they do, and that's going to become a growing issue for a lot of people. As the diversity of the market exp expands, they still have the option to play the game. Ubisoft still benefits from people playing their game. I would happily play unranked and casual with my buddies in crossplay, running the risk of going against people more difficult than us. But here's the thing. If I'm good at the game and I'm on PC and I have another of my buddy who gets good at the games on PC and then we got one or two of our friends who are on console, it's okay. <laughs> they will have support. They're not alone playing against PC people. They have PC people on their team. Do you see my point? But having that as an option and then not even it having it interfere with ranked would be a golden choice and if they ever did that I I think I'd run out of things to save that Rainbow Six needs other than just consistent content over time so anyway Rainbow Six Siege is this long-standing incredible tactical shooter one of my personal favorite games there's a lot of great things that are coming to look forward to and I hope that it only grows and continues to expand and if you've never played it go check it out because it may seem hard to get into but it's actually quite fun once you get the hang of it and it's always worth it Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.